What's up, tea drinkers? Who's ready to spill? Welcome to The Tea with KG, hosted by your girl, Kaylee Grace. Here you'll find your weekly boost of real talk mixed with laughter, healing, and all of those vulnerable, messy moments in between. The Tea with KG is a safe space for you to show up exactly as you are. We are here to share real-life stories from around the globe and be a community of love, joy, and celebrating life. This is a real deal show, so there will be coarse language and sensitive topics discussed. The most beautiful stories oftentimes emerge from the darkest of places, and we're here to explore it all. There's room for everyone at this tea time, so grab your drink of choice, spark it up, or just relax and soak it up. Cheers, and let's spill. What's up, tea drinkers? We are back with another episode of the Tea with KG. I'm your host, Kaylee Grace, and we have another amazing guest joining us this week, the lovely Taslim. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Kaylee. Of course. So Taslim and I met, oh my God, I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but I have a really bad concept of time. It was in the summer. I know that. Was that a barbecue? And we just clicked right away. And I was like, you're fascinating and you need to be on my podcast. So here we are. I'm super pumped. Teslim is a writer. And I just, anyone who puts stuff out there and creates and makes an impact, I just think you're fascinating and amazing. So super pumped to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So get the who are you and what do you do? I'm a writer and a mom of three kids. And I like to also run and dance in my spare time. Got a big mm-hmm. place ball here. Yes. <laughs> also, too, if anyone connects with her later on her socials, the dancing videos and costumes, I'm just like, it's amazing. Like, I didn't realize the costumes were like all of that, like unreal. So, so it's gorgeous. fun. It's definitely fun. Oh, and um, you can tell you're all having fun, like, because you're just like, so like, just the expressions, just everything is joy. And I love it. <laughs> it, it helps me to do other things um, other than mothering, which is also already a big job. Um, dancing and running keep my mind occupied and give me something else to do, a hobby that's all on my own. And it's such an important thing to keep in mind when you're always trying to be a mother first. And slowly you find that everything else falls away and that becomes your focus. But when that's Mm -hmm. your only focus, you don't have enough energy to put in. So that's why I try really hard to keep my own things going on the side to motivate them too. So when they get older, they can, they can be proud and they can be like, my mom did other things other than just being a mom to us. So they Mm -hmm. have some goals. I'm always taking my kids out to things too, like swing dancing when I used to go swing dancing, which was a big part of what I wrote about in the book you just read. Um, Yes! I dragged along my two older kids to a lot of events. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, you know what though? They're not going to forget those memories. Like they won't. When I look back at my childhood, I always remember the doing of things, like that kind of stuff. Like you don't remember like what toy you got for Christmas. You remember what you do with your family. So I think that's awesome that you take, and those are cool events too, like going to swing dancing. I love that. I remember for me, it was um, Indian parties and I would fall asleep on the couch with the music super loud and you'd wake up when the music ended. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that so much. And I love what you were saying too, about how important it is to keep doing things for yourself. And I, I have 
I am not a mother of human babies yet one day, but I have a lot of other mother friends and like the same thing you get, like um, you get burnt out and you kind of lose your sense of self if you don't do that. And I know it, well, I don't know personally, but they say it's really challenging. And I'm like, of course, like nobody's saying it's not, but I think it's important to take that time for you. So I yeah. love it. There's always a guilt thing because, so I mm. try really hard to structure my days. So, because even I try and do a run a day. So you were talking about who I am. I try and run five miles a day if I don't have Ooh. any injuries or anything going on. Yes. Um, and uh, I have to carve out that time for myself because it helps uh, I would say it helps me be stable and calm me and gets rid of my anxiety. And it helps me plan out my books, my day, even if I'm watching something on Netflix or listening to an audiobook, because I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I run, it helps me focus. And I can, I can give back more to the world when I'm already, I've reached that stage, state of focus, you know, focused energy. Preach girl. Preach. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Like I feel the exact same way. Like right? exercise, it just, it can, if you don't take that time for you, like exercise, of course, yes, the physical, it's great, but the mental, the spiritual, like it's yeah. so much more. Grounds you. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that. And five miles a day, girl, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> I go into a zone when I run. It's like, yeah, the first couple miles, I just like, it just zones you out. You reach this state of almost euphoria and numbness yeah. too when your legs are shaking and you don't want to do it anymore, depending yeah. on where your body's at. But I planned a lot of my books actually in my plots, just running. I love Things would come that. to me, it ironed each, itself out. You know, when you lose something in your house and then you have a dream and you remember where it is, it's like that for me with running mm-hmm. when I have a problem and I yes. forget something, it comes to me when I run. Puts me I in like a hypnotic that. state. Yes, it's right? like a meditation. Everyone yeah. has something different. Like maybe for you, it's yoga or something Yeah, I'm else, a swimmer right? too. Like okay. when you're talking yes, about yes. the distance, I was like, yeah. Swimmer. I can you're get a that. Former Olympian, sure. right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You imagine? I, I feel like, like yeah. I don't know if we go that far, but I do love me the water. I am very much a mermaid, and I'm at home in the in the ocean, oh. pool, river, whatever form of water. <laughs> but yeah, I find um, yoga. It's weird in different forms of exercise. I get different types of those. Uh, I call it like a meditative state, but yeah. like for instance, um, boxing, that's like a totally different vibe for me. It's okay. more like re- releasing all the things that need to come out. And they come out with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's so or snorkeling. Important. Have you ever been snorkeling before snorkeling yeah. and, sn- and even diving? I used to do a lot of yes. diving and cool. they say every 10 meters you go down, it's like a martini. They I've say. only gone scuba diving once, but you I did not down know that. Like, yeah, a certain <laughs> amount of, you know, 40 meters, and it'll be like four martinis. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to remember <laughs> that. I'm going to go look now. Like, how far down did I? Because I did it in um, Australia. The, my, I think because my dad did it when I, I was, I think I was a baby when he went. Yeah. He went scuba diving in uh, the Great Barrier Reef. So, all growing up, I was like, I want to do that too. So when I did it, I felt really connected to him at the same time. It was so yeah. magical. Just it like is. seeing that world under the water. It's just like, whoa, it's cool. Yeah, because you don't think of it like two sides of the world. We are always just up here. We don't think of the whole network going on down here. It's exactly. eye-opening. There's a whole ecosystem. There's cities. There's, yeah. you know, a whole thing going on down there. But we're always focused <laughs> up here, so... Mm-hmm. I can already tell this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I write a lot about diving in my first book with my main oh. character. Not a lot, but she starts, ha- I know you haven't read it yet, but she starts mm-hmm. off on this whole adventure. And um, so I cover a bit of that. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't oh wait. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I was like, I've, oh, I was like, I've already, like, I'm squirrel brain too. So this conversation will probably be all over that's the place. Okay. And we'll that's, get the, what, that's, the, that's real life, though. That's like a real, right? I think that's important for people to hear real life conversation as opposed to something very directed and guided. And, right? Right? Yeah. Because it feels like you're eavesdropping feel- on two girlfriends having a real chat, which is what exactly. we did and what we have been doing when we met right oh my god that was the best like that was such an unexpected lovely surprise meeting you because it's just nice when you can go somewhere and actually have a cool conversation with someone like we talked about so much stuff and it was just nice like you don't always get that I think what I appreciated about that conversation is is when we met there were a lot of people that didn't have the same views on things as I did and often I'm, you know, we get to this age where we stay quiet and we keep our opinions to ourselves. But I noticed that with certain people, especially the friends we were with, they were so open-minded, even though they had different views, that we could mm-hmm. battle out each side so articulately and no one was offended. Even if it exactly. was, you know, whatever, whatever the conversations were, even if they were conservative right versus left socialism, we could have those dialogues and no one was thin-skinned about it. And I just, exactly. that, those are those are the best experiences for me. I don't want to hang out with people that have all the same views as me or align with me because that's boring, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Like, and how we anything. learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I, different. Exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate <laughs> hearing the other side of why someone has the views that they do and mm-hmm. where they're coming from and where their passions are. And that night yeah. we had a lot of battles and we had a lot of like, you know, moments, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's interesting because like you said, like you can hear where is that thought process coming from? Like yeah. we, cause we, we all got a story. We all have a journey and we all go experience. into our bubbles too on Facebook and on, on social media. You start clicking with people that have the same, you start joining groups and I'm in the vegetarian groups and this group and that group. And yeah. that's the circle. And then if you go outside of those into the real world, either you stay quiet and you decide not to talk or you don't connect with people that are they you wouldn't otherwise connect with. Exactly. And that's it. And yeah, I'm just thinking back to what you said, just about how we could talk about different things. And like you said, no one was offended. We were open. And sometimes online, you don't get that. Like some people, you, no. ugh, you see these posts and it's just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. don't, you don't have to attack people just because they don't agree with what you think. No. Like, yeah, like in my writing and in my life, I try really hard to promote certain viewpoints. Um, I try always to write about social justice issues. So mm-hmm. that's my focal point in writing. It's not just to write fiction, it's to connect with people. Like my second book was about colorism and the world where we prioritize people with lighter skin. And I want mm-hmm. people to discuss those things. It doesn't matter if yeah. you agree, you disagree, just talk about these issues. And then with the third book, it's wildfires in BC, which is something that like our world is literally burning down every summer and we don't talk about it. Right. We talk about like, we just talk about the surface level, like, okay, there, you know, someone lost their house or yeah, there's wildfires again, or can we go camping? It's very like in our Mm -hmm. world, we don't discuss why it's happening, how to stop it. Exactly. Right. 
it's like that deeper part of it. It's a hundred percent. It's so, so yeah. funny you say that. Cause like, I literally wrote that down when I was blinking about different things about the yeah. third book. And I was just like, I love that you integrated a real life thing that's actually happening, but you made it into a story that's still fun to read, but it puts it in perspective. Like just the way you, I, I don't want to go too far to the third book yet. Cause we're going to no, get no, no. there, but yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, the no. symbolism and the linking that you did with it. Like I've, I'm going to start going too deep with this. Well, no remind me to talk about that when we okay. get to the symbolism. Yeah, yeah. it's just, I could go on a tangent right now, but I won't. But I love that you're saying that how, like you said, we look at the, I say the 3D of what's happening. Yeah, loss of house, can't do this, can't do this. But that's not the point. The point, like you said, yeah. is the world is burning. <laughs> like The world is burning. Yeah. And it just, it also feels like, like um, singularly, it's hard to feel like you can do anything about it. And mm. that's the part where I want, I wanted people to think about that too. Cause, cause a lot of it is, it feels like it's out of our hands. It feels like we can't, like, what can one person do? It's just becomes, it just becomes like why we run, right? Every, the world is yeah. crushing you down with, with anxiety and fear. And I mean, that's mm -hmm. the world my kids are growing up in like, okay, you know, ice caps are melting. This is happening. I mean, we heard it too when we grew up, but like now it's yeah. like a devastating reality. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And yeah, it's so true. And it's like, it's mind blowing to me that us as humans, like we don't really have, I don't feel like people actually get what's happening. I'm like, you do realize we are killing our earth because we yeah. are so self-centered that we don't have it in us to do like I, I always say like the little things make the big things and like we can all do little tiny things within our control like recycle or whatever it may be bring takeout boxes to a restaurant yeah for yeah sure. and it can make such a big impact it might take time but it can still create that wave and it's almost I don't know if people get discouraged and they just don't bother or if they don't care it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly why yeah. it is we don't care more not uh, that you're yeah. not saying I'm not trying to say everyone but just as a generalization especially mm -hmm. in North America it's just mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> create a new normal a new way of living like even when you go to a festival or something and you see the amount of waste or you just mm -hmm. think what can be a better way or plastic cups or just yeah. what is there where how can we make a, a better world because the amount of consumption and, and we didn't have that kind of, we didn't use those things before. So now the amount of human consumption and capitalism and all of this, it's just because we want more Here's products the on the shelves, but everyone wants to make it too, right? Like everyone mm -hmm. wants to make a living. So yeah. how do we balance that with the environment? Exactly. It's that balance, right? And it's just, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could go on a tangent again, but I just feel like so many of the world the problem is like money power and greed like without those things like because yes like you said we all have to make a living but people I feel like where's the compassion for each other like it's always about getting ahead and I'm like it's just yeah. like you say the balance and I look at some of these issues and I'm like if money power greed weren't an issue this wouldn't be happening like this this whole thing would not even be because it wouldn't be a, a thought in someone's mind like oh I'm gonna do this I don't care what it does to the environment because it's gonna yeah. make me this much money yeah, yeah. like it's gross <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I think I mean again you know from the barbecue that I believe more in like socialist values and the idea yeah. of us creating a world where like there is universal health care there are mm -hmm. livable wages there are these things but for that to happen, we all have to agree on that. And then a lot of people think, well, you need to like work, you get what you pay for and all this. But I don't think we all have the same starting point 
an opportunity. Agreed. So yeah. That would be great if like we could equalize that or we could normalize those things so more people would have opportunities. Cause I don't believe people don't have passion. Everyone has passion. Right. Yeah. And if you give if you give people the opportunity to pursue their passions without worrying about how to, you know, pay the rent, I think the world would change. I agree. I do. And like a lot of, I'm a creative, you're a creative. I feel like a lot of creatives can relate to that because sometimes when you're creating, it may not have any economical money, monetary return, but what you're putting out there in my mind, I'm like, even if it's, you know, you're not getting monetary value back, but you're, what you're expressing, it's so huge. Like it's such a big thing. So I totally get what you're saying there because like I think sometimes creatives may hold back or they might be like well I have to do my nine to five like you said to pay the bills but really this is my dream and this is what I want to be doing but yeah that balance I have to afford my house or where I live yeah (laughs) yeah mortgage rates are going up like if you didn't yeah it's it's ridiculous you can't yeah you don't plan for certain things and then emergencies happen too Exactly. hundred percent. I want to like get into your books, but I think let's hear like your story okay, first. Yeah. I love hearing about my guests and like, cause we all have those impactful moments or these things that guide us, inspire us, shift us. I know I have a big story of healing and all the things oh. that have gotten here. So I want to hear yours. What's your story? Um, and then we'll get into the book. Sure. Sure. No, I'd love to. I, I, when, um, I grew up uh, in a Gujarati family, Indian family, immigrants, mm, my mom, I talk, I covered this a lot in my first book, not that I'm trying to bring up the books, but just because no, no, it's, okay. about five, it's about five generations of Indian women. And mm-hmm. I looked and I researched my own family to help me write that because cool. the first place I wanted to write about is where we came from. So there, that whole story is in there in that sense of where I think I had to make up a lot of stuff and do a lot of research um, of how um, us as Indians ended up in Africa and how we came to Africa from India. So there, that's all in there. And my parents, my mom came to Canada because of Idi Amin and they were forced out of Uganda. And my dad was born in Tanzania and then they raised me here. So I was born in Canada. And as a child, I was an avid reader, huge reader, was always reading. Um, I used to write too. I would write, I would pack like draw, like drawers full of books like that I would yeah. handwrite. And, but I, in, I went, when I went to college and university, I didn't pursue writing. I took like one or two courses, um, but I did political science and I pursued my teaching degree. I didn't do the writing thing. Um, I went to Japan and I lived in Tokyo for four years and I traveled all of Asia. That's so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. A big part. A lot of my writing is about traveling and I traveled Mm -hmm. other places too before and after, but um, India, Africa, all those kinds of places, they're great uh, launch places for my books. But when Mm -hmm. I, after I got married and had, had um, my first son, I decided I needed to write my books. So that's actually, I went about it backwards because I didn't do all of the whole, like, let me take 15 writing courses. And mm-hmm. and that would that's sort of my story and my journey. And amidst all that, I've always loved running and dancing and cooking. I love cooking. Yes. Yeah. So it's been a crazy that. journey and it hasn't been always an easy one, mm-hmm. right? But uh, this is where I'm at now. 
I love that. Also, yeah. I did not know you lived in Japan for four years. What? Yeah. Like, that is so yeah, cool. I taught English abroad and that's when I was diving. So I dived like uh, all over Philippines, Thailand, oh Bali. Like, I just skipped country skipping and diving. And <laughs> yeah, I love so, that so much. I'm like, that is my dream. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was a great to do it before you have kids because after you yes. have kids life mm. is expensive totally changes yeah you're stuck <laughs> no and not in a bad way but that's what it no is. I totally get it and I feel yeah. like that too because like I've lived in different places and I was like I want to do it now because yeah. I know when I have kids it'll be a shift in that way for sure yeah. not that you can't travel with them but it's just different it's no not- and then and then also that was pre-covid right I mean now yeah. world is completely different traveling is is really only I think if you have money really I mean with all the like testing and this and that it's become mm. and it, from an environmental environmental point of view I also think about traveling I cover this a lot in ruby red skies where they yeah. where I talk about how you know, traveling just, we feel like it's a right, but what environmental cost does it have to? So like, I try and look at that both ways. Yeah. Cause like, yes, I did all these things and yes, I had all these experiences, but when you think about the planes that are in, this is in the book, how they're going this way. And you know, they're always going, no matter if there's seats or not, is what I was trying to say. They're I going. loved that. In the book, I was like, way. yeah, this is this way. Yeah. And it's just a reality yeah. of the world we go in and everything is just cycling. Like we have, we, it's very entitled, you know, mm. Amazon packages, mm-hmm happy meals, just, it's everything happening. We're yeah. just the world. And we want it all now. We don't want to wait yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. I love that in the book, now that you're saying that about how I, you literally said it exactly like that. You're like, it doesn't matter how many seats are full. It's still going yes. no matter what. And it was interesting to read it like that. Cause I was like, people, I don't, I didn't really like, even though, yeah, logically, I'm sure I knew that. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, the cruise was, ships are going like, no matter how many tickets they have to go. And that's why they try and, I guess, maybe sell discount tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to do a lot of local traveling now with the kids, like BC. Yeah. There's lots of things in BC that are beautiful that we, we, so beautiful. we live here. We pay a lot to live here. We should see it, right? Yes. Like, you that's know, what I say to my partner. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, because I'm still, I feel very new here. So to me, it's all yeah. magical still and very new. And I said that to my partner. I was like, why don't we go? I'm like, have you been here? Like, local places? And he's like, yeah. no. I'm like, why not? I'm like, it's beautiful. Like, I want to see that. Like, I want to go to Joffrey Lake really bad. Have you been oh, there? No, no, I haven't. I seen the pictures though. It's with the oh. lake is green, right? It's emerald. Yeah. Like a blue green. Yeah. Like, it reminds me a lot of New Zealand, like the the mountain with the blue, blue. It I feel that a lot in New Zealand actually. It did remind me of Canada, just a certain um uh, uh what am like the scenery and stuff, like the yes. landscaping. Yeah. I was like, whoa. But yeah. That's on my list for sure. I was like, I have to go there. It looks so oh, nice. I know. Yeah. And a lot of those places are are hard to get to, right? You have to mm-hmm. usually, like even in the book, it's like hard to get to. It's like a hike or yeah. it's, it's, you have to, it's a journey in and that's part of yes. it. Finding, you know, they're not just perfectly at the edge of a highway where you can just get out yep. and go see them. <laughs> exactly. And I, I love that. Like I'm definitely an outdoorsy kind of girl. So yeah. I'm like, let's go, let's do the hike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing for that. our summer vacation too this year. We're going to, you know, go to the lake, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Connect with nature. Mm, and like, like we we're talking about, like, 
getting into those meditative states and grounding like nature is the way to do it for me anyway like I if I can sit in nature I just I feel like I'm like an earth goddess queen I'm like okay all the animals come to me let me sit in this grass (laughs) but I just feel so connected that way just I don't know you can't beat it especially when you're near a body of natural water like a lake or something releases in you that's different calmness absolutely yeah 100 percent. and there's nothing like like sand in your bed right that's (laughs) yeah right a summer of sand in your bed is a good summer that's what I think I live by the water and I just like I knew that coming here I was like I need to be by nature water because like I love the city life but I know I can't be in the thick of it it would just be too much on my spirit I already know that so I'm like okay I need to be a little away from it or at least have the escape like right there where I could be like okay I need to go to the park or go to the water or something just surround me with some trees so I can be at peace (laughs) so now we're gonna dive into talking about your amazing book so just for the audience we're gonna talk briefly about the first two but the main one we're gonna talk about today is the third book Ruby Red Skies so I'll head it over to Tasleem and you can give us a little bit on the first two okay so the first book um which is called Chocolate Cherry Chai, is about five generations of Indian women. And the main character, Maya, is trying to find her life, where it's going, where it's headed, what she wants to do with it. And as she's doing it, um, as she's on this journey towards from coming back from her travels back to living in Vancouver, she reconnects with her grandmother and she has a magical cup of chai, sort of magic realism in that sense. She goes mm-hmm. back a generation every time she drinks the tea. So the main story is interwoven through the past. So there's past generations that come through and then she lives through those lives as she drinks the tea. So you've got- That's so cool. Yeah. Why Indians came to Africa and all these topics are covered. The story of immigration, how her foremothers went to Pakistan, Uganda, all of these stories are interwoven and they're in sections, clear sections. Mm, cool. I can't wait. Yeah. I literally, like I, I was saying to Tasleem earlier, I was like, I read the third one so quickly. So I was like, I knew we were doing our interview and I was like, all right, I'll read the other two after that. Cause we're going to focus mostly on the third one, but I'm excited. Yeah. Cause like the way you write to it, it's like, it's, like it's so magical but it also oh, like you. gives you that reality it's so cool like I love your style and like you're very descriptive too like I literally felt like I was I, I, I keep getting ahead of myself I'm ready to talk about the third one but I felt like I was there and I love when I can vividly picture something and that's I was exactly what I try and do sensory writing yeah. so I'm so glad you nailed that because I try and make it so you can hear smell see feel yes. things around you And that's like my favorite type of writing to read because I'm very in touch with all my senses. So when I can completely be taken there, it makes me so excited. And I was saying to you, uh, I don't even remember when we said this, but I actually dreamt about one of the eras in the third book. Like I was dreaming about it because you just described like the colors and the tapestries and the smells and the foods. I literally, I don't remember what my dream was now, but that's where we oh, were with awesome. 1610. I love that. That's the best. We were in I wish you put that on the back of the book. <laughs> this person I dreamt was, it. That's beautiful. Yours. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay. What's next? We'll get to the second one because I'm like, I'm talking okay. at the bit. So, talk about no the worries. <laughs> the second one is about two sisters and Gia and Serena, and they're both at birth born in two different skin colors. And one is born like darker skin tone. The other one's born lighter skin tone. And the story sets off to describe 
how their lives completely take different turns based on their skin color. And both of them are unable to relate to each other's cause. So it's not just about our inability to see or value dark, darker skinned women in the society, which it does, but it also covers the ground of the struggles the fair skin sister has in her community as well. So I try and I'd approach colorism from two different perspectives. And uh, the story actually starts off with their mother. So there's, a, there's one generation back and then it goes forward. And that's the whole premise of the story is discussing colorism and sisterly bonds. And are they there for each other? Do they turn against each other? That's what the book will explore. Ooh, tune yeah. in to find out. <laughs> oh, I forgot to show what this one looks like. Too. Oh, this is, right, if you're watching right. on YouTube, this is the cover. I love it. Also, too, your cover art for all of your books is yeah, awesome. I've been like, so lucky. I, I love Roseway and I love Fernwood. And that's why I've stayed with them for so long is because they always yeah. pay really close attention to my feedback and to to the to how to best represent what oh, I'm trying yeah. to tell through the covers, et cetera. Yeah. And like you can feel it. Like I said, like you're saying with the sensory stuff, even your covers go into that. <sighs> and I just I think it's magical. So I can't, I'm so excited now that now that you give me a taste of the first two, I'm like, all right, I know what I'll be doing later. Yeah, <laughs> reading those yeah. books. That's great. So the third one, we have Ruby Red Skies. If you're oh, watching, okay. yeah. you can see the lovely cover. And this is the third. And also just so people know, these stories are not interlinked. They're just no they're their own I'm tempted to write a follow-up to this one if 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 ever because I I feel like I would love that right where do these people end up but the story is about Ruby and she is in her late 30s and she comes across a devastating piece of news about her husband and she's been a wife and mother for so long that she has to redefine who her identity is in the novel so when she is hit with this news, she decides to take a journey into the wildfires of BC to find out more secrets. I don't want to give away too much, so it's hard to know. I know, right? <laughs> but as the story is going forward, I have an interweaving plot line. And the second story, the second character, I should say, is Rubina. And she's um, born in the 17th century. And she's actually born and raised in a brothel but she becomes a dancing con like a she's a dancer and she lives in the concubine quarters she's not a concubine per se but she lives in concubine quarters of the mogul empire and the story follows the journey of what it was like during that time period and the reigning kings and queens in that time period so every second it's interwoven. So you've got Ruby's story in 2017 with the wildfires and then the 17th century. And then it goes like this through the entire book. So you're getting basically two books in one, right? Yeah. Two storylines awesome. in one. It's, it's amazing. Cause like, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I just like opened it up. I was like, all right, let's go. And I was yeah. like, Into the story. and then when it went to 1610, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, okay, what's happening here? Right. And uh, it was, I, I just thought that was really interesting. And I feel like like lately I haven't been like reading enough books like this. Like I've been reading, you know, lots of personal development and things like that. Yeah. But I was like, this is so in such an enjoyable read. It's not only Thank like you. you're 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 learning stuff, but you're learning I wanna say you're learning it in a fun way. Cause for me this was a fun way because it was a Yeah, I had to do a lot of research. Story. So I appreciate yeah. that. I researched it for years. And when I was telling you before about if anyone's listening that wants to be a writer and how I didn't take courses and, and it was a little bit unconventional, but it was, I exactly wanted to write books that I wanted to read in that yes. sense. 
And I felt like my journey was through teaching myself through reading tremendous amounts of books. And then I wanted to transfer that sensory writing style. So something like Tolstoy does into more modern modern times. And I had a, I have a few favorite writers like Amy Tan does with Chinese fiction, Chinese American fiction, but bring it to Indo-Canadian fiction. So yeah. there were things I took that I wanted to bring into my own writing that I craved. I'm like, we need these kinds of books. Cause with Ruby Red Skies, when we turn onto Netflix, I mean, who doesn't love Vikings or all the other shows that are out there? But a lot of them cover the Western world because it's we mm -hmm. live in the West. So we're going to cover the Western world. I mean, there aren't you're not going to tune in and be like, oh, here's Shah Jahan and Muntaz. And and there's like, you know, you don't see that. Yeah. You don't see that time period, 1610. I wanted that to be covered in this book because it's something we don't know enough about. And when I went to Rajasthan with my family, um, when I went to India, we went traveling through all I saw those quarters. I saw no this, way. that is what inspired me. I'm like, I want to write about this because yeah. seeing that last scene, I'm okay. Whoops, I have to edit that. So no, no last <laughs> scene. We're not talking about the book. I keep forgetting that it's so natural talking to you because right. <laughs> I forget that we're not just having coffee and we're friends and we're just discussing where I'm like, yeah. everybody else is listening. Oops, to the world that's listening. So I can't go too deep into the actual ending and all that, obviously. But a lot of the scenes are in, inspired from what I actually saw in India to create so Rubina's cool. world. Yeah. What was that like being amongst it in person? Like, oh, what did it feel like? A lot of imagination because a lot of it is ruins, but the storytelling from the guides yeah. was incredibly fascinating. And the amount of research that I had to do to get like the time periods right and I, I was lucky because I met an expert online that was able to review a lot of my stuff to make sure that nice. there were no inaccuracies. Uh, but it's a fascinating time period that we don't know enough about. And once you dive deep into it, it's as interesting, if not more interesting to than the stories we've grown up about with all the different kings and queens in England and yeah. Henry VIII. And you hear all the stuff. This stuff is just like the story of drama too. Like, oh, yeah, I was siblings, like, killing siblings for throne. <laughs> I mean, I wish it sounds like fiction, but the main storyline of the Mughal Empire, that's all true to fact. Wow. Of course, the dialogue between people is not so true. That's embellished. But the actual historical part of yeah. it is true. They really did do these things to each other. They really did kill each wow. other for the throne. And yeah, and the love stories. Again, wants and, that power, right? They want the power. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care what they got to do for it. <laughs> exactly. And the culture and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's really rich. And the food and the clothing and what happened in that time period, the way the harems operated, the way the systems were of hierarchy, how the kings traveled in the procession, the battles. Yeah. Noor Jahan and her battling ways. I mean, these are, I can't even make it up if I wanted to. It's no, it's real. Yeah. Like, and in reading it, like, it's literally like, it's like, I obviously it's like so magical, but so like, what? Like, it's like, they, yeah. they need to make a Netflix show based on that era. Yeah. Like, it, it they want drama. There you yeah, go. That's what <laughs> I wanted. So that's why I wrote that part was to pay homage to my culture and where, yeah. you know, what what's going on. And what's been what we don't talk about because I don't think enough people know about it. And then to weave that with a modern day story. So oh yeah, and it integrated together perfectly. Yeah, they're like, definitely. It, yeah, it yeah. didn't surprise me why we were 
talking about 1610 all of a sudden. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. We're going to oh, yeah. learn about this. Because I tried in- to make them, the characters have similar misfortunes. They're both out of control of their environments. How do they deal with that? They both have yeah. difficult relationships with their father, either non- non-existent or confusing. Why? So I tried to have them have similar features and yeah. how separated by centuries, they could still be dealing with the same strife. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I totally picked up on that in reading. And I also was like, uh, their their names, their their names. I was like, okay, yeah. Ruby Rupina. Okay, cool. And I also liked learning too what different names meant. Like that was really interesting to me. Like even your name was in it, and I didn't realize that's what <laughs> your name meant. I was like, you can tell them if you'd like what your name means. Yeah. Well, in the book, I have him bowing and doing the taslim to the um, king and queen. But my name actually means submission to God as well. So it's an Arabic name, and that's the complicated relationships we have. And I try and deal with that because in the storyline, Rubina's ancestry, she thinks about that and how she ends up. Cause we are things, but we are other things too. Like mm-hmm. I'm Indian, but I'm Muslim. Why am I Muslim? Where did that come from? So all these, yeah. these things about, and I also have her, you know, grapple with atheism and discuss that. So it's, there's different elements to who we are and, you know, they connect in ways that you find yourself as you get older, even me trying to explain, okay, I'm Indian, but this is where it came from. And then as I'm writing the book, I'm realizing even in the court, there's Persian and there's all these different, you know, we're all mixing yeah. together. We think we're this one thing, but this one thing isn't, is a fiction. You know, mm-hmm. there is no one thing there though. The empire itself was made up of um, Hindu women, Persian women, there's Turkish women. There's, there's so much yeah. going on there. But I think like, as we grow older we really want to self-identify as one thing but right. I don't know if we are one thing you know uh-uh. I don't no, think so we're so thing, multifaceted like people always I love want that. you to announce because they, they also want to categorize you people yes. and that that's their way to relate to you where are you from where what you know what are you and then you find mm-hmm. yourself fighting to give them an explanation but in writing yeah. this book you also realize there is no one answer we aren't anything we're just trying to help people relate to us by giving them an easy answer and like a hint yeah right? exactly oh my god yes like being multifaceted we all are like you said and like there's so I love learning the layers of people and like I was like you know what you do with this this that's just the uh the surface level whatever but like yeah. there's just so much in there and to me I'm like what's your soul like what's in there because that's who you are I don't right, care what you right. look like what you identities. do yeah, yeah I know and a lot of people I noticed I'm not offended like it's become a very new age well not new age thing but maybe to be asking someone where they're from a lot of people say oh that's insulting I understand where it's coming from it doesn't bother me because we want to contextualize naturally you know, and mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to tell a story there. But also when you tell us, like, be prepared because it's going to be like a long story. Because yeah, yeah. there's just so much in there, right? So even in the court, Absolutely. the court, there's all these different, the, the, the people in the court are practicing all the different religions itself. Yes, I thought so that I was really that interesting. Really, it's almost like we were more open-minded then than we are now. I don't know. Yeah. And in it, certain it, ways, it, right? And practicing those religions just from your book, it wasn't an issue. It was like, mm. like you said, they were all together. But I thought that was super cool and interesting. Yeah, and Ruby's also, she, I wanted to cover this because she's married to a white man and she mm-hmm. has a daughter who passes as white. And I think a lot of the book is also like her saying, look, I'm losing my culture. 
And that's another reason why I wrote the Mogul Empire because it's her way of connecting to who she is. And, yes. and at some point in the novel, she realizes she's kind of having white people problems where everyone in it is white except for her. She's like, my whole, right. my whole life is just these problems. They're not even anything except for, you know, my life has made, been made more complicated because this is what happens when you mix races, if you, if you say that, uh, a marriage. And I wanted to address what it's like for each party and how she feels like she's losing her culture and right. she's losing, she's not, she hasn't been able to pass on these stories to her daughter. Exactly. Yes. I totally, totally got that. And it was really interesting reading the relationships. Well, with Belle, just some of the ways she behaved and, and spoke to her friend, I was just yeah. like, you do not seem like a genuine friend to me. Like just, there were certain things I just, I was like, ugh. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I was like, I do not like this character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I think that's important to to feel. As long I I try to be as realistic as I can, and I think these things yeah. do happen with friendships. Where I think they just were friends for so long, and I think what happened is they just she started taking it for granted, and Belle had yeah. her eye on certain prizes, and she went mm-hmm. after those, and some yeah, and that is and the, and they are meant to represent deeper things too. Oh, way, for sure. Right? I loved the emotion it made me feel, though. I was like, yes, like when anyone reading when you can feel all those I was on the ride I was on the ride with them and like some of these things that they I can relate to and it maybe that's why certain things brought up different emotions within me because it was about the issues with um children's with special needs because it's a complicated situation um Mm -hmm. the right to have abortion is a complicated situation and Ruby I wanted her to overstep her lines as a friend because I think it's it's important to represent every side whether you agree with it or disagree with it here's a real story listen to it because it's not just what you see on the news this is a story this is the side I'm on it's just such a complicated issue um and um it's sad and it's and I wanted it to be emotional and I wanted Mm -hmm. but I also wanted Belle's decision to be respected too at the, at the same yeah. time, so it's very com- complicated to to bring oh, in yeah. everyone's side, and uh, everyone wants to have their say in your life and in your body. Yeah, but let's, and let's I like how it. it went there. Like I like how was I wasn't really expecting it to go there per se. No. I thought it might be just like the one of the things that happened earlier on, and then when it kept evolving, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I literally could not put it down because I was like, oh, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. yeah, I wanted Ruby to shift her focus. Yeah, And that was a main part of it is to shift her focus, but also for people to think, does she have a right to talk about this? Do we have a right to decide? And why, why is it a more complicated issue? Because she knew what, like what's happening and we're getting into it. So people aren't going to know unless they read the book, but that's okay. Cause uh, (laughs) I have this in the epilogue anyway, and I have, um, and I've written a book club discussion thing. So if anyone, I will be putting that out shortly. So if you read the book yeah. and you want to discuss it with your friends, I will have a whole questionnaire thing set up okay. so you can have that. I love that you said that because I actually have like a lot of friends back East who are in book clubs. So I was literally oh, nice. going to be like, they need to put this on their list. So I love that yeah. you are sharing that. I'll make sure yeah. we share that. And because like, I know I can already tell one of my, she's actually an aspiring writer as well. And oh, I, so nice. she's super excited. Yeah, that um, I get to interview you. That's so great. I I also have 
a playlist that I was asked to make to go along with the book too. So like songs, because it's very musical. Yes. So I have, I've, oh I my just God, finished yes. it. I'll send them both to you when I'm done. And maybe yes. you can even link them. Um, but yeah, it'll be a song if you want to listen like through the journey. And I have Indian music too that I've selected, yeah. especially for Rubina's part and the Western mm-hmm. music that Ruby refers to. So you can go through the journey of the 90s, a little mm-hmm. bit of Tori Amos Cornflake Girls kind of feel. And then it goes on to like her, you know, as the book progresses, the swing music, I have a lot of great swing classics yeah. on there um, that inspired me because I love to dance. And so the swing yeah. parts are genuine. Um, my genuine love for vintage and swing, the swing era. Um, so I have all of that. I'll link it to you. I love that. I'm very musical as well. Like music just, again, it's just speaks to my soul. So I love, and like some of the bands and stuff you're listening, I think there was lyrics to one of the songs in there from Ruby when she was in high school. And yeah. I was like singing like, it in my that. head. Yeah. Yep. All I can do. Oh yeah. And then you're like, stuff. I remember that song. <laughs> Smells like teen spirit. I was like, yep. <laughs> or Trevor when he was in his hip hop music. Yeah. Yeah. He's hilarious, right? I had a lot of fun writing about Trevor because everybody knew a Trevor in high school. Everyone knows a Trevor. Right? Oh my God. I was like, yep, I know that guy. There was Trevor and there was his three friends. We all yeah. knew them. We all knew them. <laughs> it's so true. And, and they like- were out there on the school playground smoking weed. Yeah. We knew them. Yeah. We knew those guys. <laughs> no, it was so funny because I was reading that. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was loving like the description too of the outfits because it like took me there. Every... Every, even when, you know, the swing, like, I don't, again, I'm trying not to say too much, but just the outfits and how you describe them, I was taken to either that place or what was happening and, or how maybe let's say Ruby wanted to express herself. I was like, yes, queen, you go ahead and you wear that fit, wear those shoes. Yes. Like I was with team Ruby so hard. I was like, yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I wanted that development. And that was another thing is the body image. Um, I wanted her to not be skinny by the end of the book. That was not what Ruby's about. Mm-mm. She, I wanted her to own her curves and I really wanted her to not be skinny, but be healthy, become healthy, the healthy yes. transition. So yes. that was like a very important part of like her binge eating and her doing those things and learning that like all sizes are, are important, valued, good, but also it's important to yes. value your body too. And so what yes. she puts into her body, because she does go through phases of binge eating in the novel. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard um, to tackle those issues because I didn't want a skinny lead. I'm so to over it. I wanted someone that was real, like a real yes. body with a real person. And um, Ruby to me is, is one of my favorite characters because I feel like she's, she's what you see is what you get. So real, right? so real. And like, even just reading, just even her moments where maybe she wasn't honoring herself. I was like, I've been there. I get that. Like I can relate. And just like, then when she did start to honor it and like, you know, maybe she, her body changed slightly or whatever. It's more so she was feeling good. She was feeling good. She still rocked her curves. Like she owned it because you came to that point where, you know, you can still love your body. You don't have skinny does not equal perfect or beautiful sure it is it's beautiful in its own way yeah yeah the curves are beautiful it's all gorgeous yeah (laughs) and I thought the type of clothing she wore also suited her you know yeah mad men era of 
the Coke bottle body. Like she owned that and Belle had nothing mm-hmm. on that. So no, not at or all. She Belle's had auto tune music. Like I loved contrasting the two because I yeah. found Ruby to be very lovable the way she was. And mm-hmm. I wanted the reader to relate to her. Yeah. And it's true. And like, I my heart broke for her. I wanted to hug her. I was just yeah. like, and again, like I can, some of the stuff that happened to her, I really hit me on a very personal level. So I just mm-hmm. was like, I could, I was so there, like I was on her side the whole time. Like, yeah, no matter well, what. She was saying how like, she can't compete in a world where Belle drinks her chai protein shakes and wears her geometric outfits and, and, but she had her own thing. She had her yeah. own thing and her own style in music, which was very, I think, defined. Mm-hmm. And her personality and her her vintage looks, I yeah. think, is her own thing. It totally. And I also loved that she was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this, and I don't care what anyone thinks about it. I'm again not trying to say too much or reveal yeah, too she's much. Over it. She yeah. was at some point. She's finally over it. She's yeah. over trying to please everyone and be the perfect person. She wasn't valued. Yeah. I think a lot of women do that, right? They coast through and they do all these things that are supposed to be the right thing. Clean the house, do this, do that. They're just, they are not valued in their homes. They are not valued for what they yes. do. Their work is unpaid labor. And I wanted people to experience, like women will relate to that. Oh, um, yeah. We've all been there where we're doing invisible work. And then when you stop doing it, it's, oh, okay. The dishes aren't done. Yeah. yeah. And she's tired of being that person. She's tired. She's like, I want my own life now. Yes. And it's beautiful when she starts to live it. Cause like, it's almost like she was on autopilot and then she woke up and it's amazing to see that. And like, I love how you were saying you might do like a follow-up cause I would, I'm, I want to, I want to know more. I do. I have a, yeah, it depends on how everything goes, but yeah, like I would, I would love to write even about like Leah, like where's Leah, where's all these characters that you meet that you're like, what are they doing? Did Belle, what, where did what happened end up what happened to these characters yeah and I was question marks there so I was thinking that too I was like does she want me to want more because you left me (laughs) wanting more (laughs) out of all my books this one would be um I think like a sequel would work but the other ones I've wrapped up pretty well that yes you can you can feel complete closure when you read them (laughs) I love how you said that you can feel closure (laughs) (laughs) it's true and like but you want to know what's beautiful about that I'm so invested in these characters I'm like I need more I want to know where are they now how have they continued to evolve and grow because you did leave it so I could potentially like I'm still okay I'm still like okay yeah yeah this is the journey but it would be awesome to know more (laughs) I wanted to touch back to on I think I'm saying it right is it the Mughal Empire or Mughal Empire Mogul Empire? Yeah, Mogul Empire is good. I know Again, some people spell it M-O-G, but then when I put in the search engine, it's more commonly M-U-G-H-A-L. Yeah. Like, what made you think to integrate in, like, present day with that? Where yeah. that? Because I was like, what's the starting point? And where that was, I'm like, okay, well, what made you decide to do both in one? Um, what made me decide to do both was I, I did originally start off with the wildfires, uh, but I wanted, I wanted to integrate a character. I wanted to integrate, integrate the cultural aspect and yeah. I wanted to go as far back as I could to properly represent because she's Rajput Indian, um, Ruby is, and I'm not. So I wanted to her to look back to the, where the grain, where it began. And that time period fascinated me because when I went to Rajasthan and I saw 
what life was like in the 1600s. Um, when I came back to Canada, I started reading several books, a lot of it nonfiction about the time period. So about oh. Shah Jahan, Mumtaz, um, who they were, uh, you know, how many wives were going on. And that particular time period, I had to pick because there was a lot of interesting history through all of it. But to make the story relevant, I picked that one particular part of the empire because I really wanted Noor Jahan to be in it. She's the queen. Um, it's, so in the beginning of the book, I have a family tree because it's very confusing. Yeah. You can't follow, I think, without the family tree. Um, but King Jahangir is married to Nur Jahan. And Nur Jahan is a crazy, powerful warrior, she, but she's a queen. But she mm -hmm. gets on the battlefield with everyone else. And I thought, I need this character to be in, the, in my novel because we don't hear about no. these characters. So no. that's why I had the past and the present. And I wanted them both to have similar stories, but set yes. 400 years ago. So if if the environment is coming down with the wildfires for Ru Ruby, Rubina's whole world is falling apart because she can't have the love of her life. Is she gonna meet up with them? Is, she, is he gonna return her love? So there's that whole thing. Her, her immediate environment is unstable, but so is Ruby's. How are they unstable? Exactly. I wanted to contrast those. So I thought the yeah. contrast would be very important because if we just focus on today and we look at a catastrophes of today, I don't think we can contextualize it. Just like when you ask me where I'm from and I give you one simple answer, we need the past to contextualize the present. So I had to have the past in there because when you look at how unstable our world was, it's like it hasn't changed much, has it? It's still pretty freaking unstable, isn't it? Yeah. There isn't much change in that time period. You think of all of the advances we have and the ability to have food for the world. No. We're still battling each other in the, almost the same manner. So I wanted right? to have that because it's it's so scary like to wake up in that time period where she doesn't know she's she's in it. Oh yes, and they both have cages. That was something yes. I wanted to tell you. So it Rubina yeah. ends up living in the harem in the Mughal Empire, and she's in the gilded cage, and so is Ruby living in her house, which is Trevor's design, because Trevor's are all mm -hmm. architecturally savvy and he designs all of the stuff and she's happy and says so she's trapped they're both yeah. trapped they're birds in cages so what yeah. price do we pay for that economic stability for our own creativity too um mm -hmm. what price do we pay to sell our souls so we can have a bed to sleep on at night we both do yeah. it right as creative types as you were saying yeah, yeah for sure so how do we and i want people to think about that too how can we keep our own creative passions alive without selling our soul to capitalism because right. we need to sleep in a bed at night and go on vacation right. with our family to a lake every summer what do we do exactly how do we exactly oh my god nailed it yeah oh and I really want to like for anyone that wants to write I love you know help telling people my path too because I think like if that's a passion for you, you should pursue it whatever that passion may be if it's art yeah. if it's painting it just takes a little bit it takes talent tenacity and time it takes Absolutely. those three ingredients and you just really have to be better at structuring your time but also at putting a little bit aside every day to do what you think is your passion I love that right? and I like that you have the three t's five work pardon me the three t's I love that yeah, you said it like yeah. that yeah That's it's so true it's so true and like I find too when you honor that you, well, for me anyway, I feel better because like my nine to five is not my forever. It's a, it's a means to an end, right? Yeah. This is my passion. And you know, we, ha I'm a big dreamer. So of course right. I'm like, ah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's so true. And when I do take time for what 
brings me passion, joy, whatever that is, I feel so much better in my spirit. Cause I'm like, you know yeah. what? I'm doing what I should Even if it's doing. taking a course that you love to take. Like I, when I say I did, I didn't pursue writing like, okay, yes, I didn't go to school for it specifically, but even though I only took two writing courses in college, they still shaped me in a way that the 10 courses I took in something else might not have shaped me. So yes. I do feel like whatever you love and you need invest in those, invest in those professionals, invest in those courses, dance classes, whatever it is, um, writing, whatever that you are passionate about to develop yourself better. I, think I it's agree. To take those times to take those classes. Absolutely. And like, it's like you said, it's, bettering yourself and your spirit yeah. and your soul will always thank you. It's always going to, and it, you know, it's, it's a journey. Absolutely. All of our stuff is always a journey, but mm-hmm. you'll know when it's right. Like you feel yes. that in your bones. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is my path. And I should be, and it, it may veer you off in a million other directions, but yeah, you know, and you're never going to be amazing at it right from the start. I mean, some of my first manuscripts were horrific and you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I got rejected. I had a folder of my rejection from houses, like a folder from, I still have it somewhere where it's just like all of these, re- but you have to look at them properly and be like, what do you need to fix? I think yeah. criticism is so important in that sense. If it's something you love to do, because you have to apply it. You can't get stuck on the criticism part. You have to mm-hmm. look at the, but what are they saying I can improve? Yes. It's what it's about that. learning. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and also too, like when those, those criticisms aren't put out to hurt us, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are people on the internet Some somewhere people, who do yeah. want to hurt you, yeah. but coming from like a publisher or something yeah. like that, they're trying to help you hone your craft. I would hope anyway. That's they what you know. are, they are yeah. extremely helpful. They will take the time to sit there and tell you exactly why you suck, how much you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I will write a lot because there's they they're like I read your fucking manuscript and it killed me and I'm gonna now write exactly why it was horrific to you and the, but the fact that they put that much time and effort into writing that is ex- that's really helpful really helpful and that's like free labor yeah. labor for them from them but you're getting that feedback some some I had pages from manuscripts that had rejected or from publishing houses that rejected me telling me exactly why. Yeah, but that's what helps you fix what you need to fix. Exactly, because you're still being mm. true to yourself. You're still gonna <laughs> write your soul, but you're gonna be like tweaking things that they want. Technically, I'm assuming like that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it is technical. A lot of it is you have no plot, or your characters need development, or here's why this is not interesting. But uh, but you know what I what I found kept me going was also what they liked too and why they saw potential and how I could better pull certain things out. Absolutely. And I think that's important for people to realize too, with writing and books, it's not just you think of this awesome story and you tell it, there's like, you have to character develop, the plot needs to be there. Like, and I, one of my favorite things, whether it be through books, entertainment, whatever, when I see characters develop and like, when I have a character that maybe I don't like, but then I learn to like them or I see why they are the way they are and I can get in there. I live for that. Like, yeah. It's It's hard to have that too. Cause in my first book, Maya to me is almost unlikable because she's so, I wouldn't say narcissistic, but she's stuck on her own 
as any woman at that age period is on like, am I going to meet some guy? Am I going to settle down? Am I going to have all these things? But also as you get to know her, you realize a lot of it is pressure too, societal mm-hmm. pressure, family pressure. And you start to understand as she grows, she's on a journey. So if you look at the first, yes. the initial stage of this annoying person who's stuck on this <laughs> facet of her life. And why are you so obsessed with having all these things, we also don't realize that while well, we're getting these pressures, like we have so much pressure from every angle, have children, get married, but also the world is overpopulated, but also like there's yeah. things coming at you, like arrows coming at women from every Everywhere. direction. Yeah. Right? It's like have a career, where, but yeah. also stay home and raise your kids. Yeah. Wear more. No, wear less. Do that. Like, yeah. Do your hair this color? No, do it that. Like all this yeah. stuff. It's like, it's yes. Every single facet of being like a woman, there's mm-hmm. different like yeah. you said, arrow, it's like in the book, the arrows are coming. I'm thinking of the battle scene right now. The arrows <laughs> are coming from everywhere. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, there's, there is, we're always pushed into certain trends and, and it's coming from so many areas that you wouldn't even notice that you're scrolling through your phone and, you know, you don't notice the advertisements and what they're projecting and then you feel like okay well I need to have that with my hair oh I'm getting this oh my butt should look like this oh my stomach should look like this oh wait ah right so oh yeah it's like they play on our our insecurities and everything like whatever they can play on they will and it's just like uh it's 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 especially when you're young because you're still trying to find yourself and you're still unsure and you don't know where your direction, my God, when I look back at my 20 something self, I'm like, Oh girl, you've come a long way. (laughs) I know. I feel like I wasted. So I could have, I feel, I mean, I did a lot like learning another language and scuba diving and, but you know, through all of it, I couldn't enjoy it because I always was worried about, will I achieve the things I have to like it could never be in the moment Mm. and I think it's so important I'm something I'm learning at my age now is to be in the moment is to enjoy though the time the time Mm. not to be worried about the future like I try really hard now to just stick with the day like it's even if it's something I'm doing with my children just to like not worry about tomorrow like I know that sounds like of course we have to worry about tomorrow when it comes to the environment and things like that yes but when it comes to our own self-improving things and some of the journeys you were talking about, I think a lot of my 20s, I was plagued mm. by things that I wish I didn't waste my time on. And I wish I spent that time bettering myself and doing things yes. to better our society in more productive ways. Mm-hmm. I'll preach. You know? It's so true. It's yeah, like, and even like how I viewed myself, like I did not value who I was no. and like, like the insecurities with my body would look, it was yeah. always that pressure and it was so much pressure and for what to make me for miserable what? and like, not want to like, maybe I would still go to the beach and stuff, but you know, some women they'll cover up or they yeah. won't go or they won't do things. And it's like, why? And for who? Yeah. And who's like, paying, right? In the end, it's you that's yeah. missing those experiencing experiences. And people always think about like valuing youth and young women. And honestly, I love the age I'm at. I wouldn't want to go back because, right? No. no. I just feel <laughs> My God, no. <laughs> I'm so grounded now with the running too. It's just like grounded. I want to be grounded. Yeah. I'm I tired agree. of all of that. I agree so hard. Like, I value all my life, you know, you don't regret the things, la la la. But I I am so thankful that I have 
grown and bettered myself as a human and learned what's actually important in life. And like you said too, being present, it's so important. Yeah. Like think about when we met at the barbecue and we started talking about capitalism and socialism yeah. and, and it was so deep. Our conversations were so deep. Yeah. We're trying to break it down for people. We're like, but imagine if, remember the, 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 the potatoes. And I was like, yes. the potatoes, yeah. <laughs> About how we were trying to break down the fundamentals. Cause if one person was like, okay, I love capitalism because it gives me the opportunity to, I deserve to sell watches and I deserve to sell these things because I made them and I should get honored for my artist art, artistry. But then I, I said, well, what if, and then we were talking about the potatoes analogy where you know, you might have better sun and better conditions to grow certain things and other people and the fairness of this and distribution. And I wouldn't have had that conversation in my twenties. I wouldn't have gone in to a barbecue right. and started conversing with people I didn't know about deep topics. And I value that now. I value going Thank out of my you. comfort zone now in a way that I wouldn't have. And you're also afraid of your own thinking thoughts at that age, you restrict yourself a lot. You, yeah. you edit everything you want to say, and maybe you should, because maybe your thoughts are still <laughs> developing, right? <laughs> but to be able to express yourself in these manners to strangers, to people you've just met and have passionate discussions and to make every moment count is why we became mm -hmm. friends. Because now I, I cling on to those people. I'm like, those are my people. Those are the yes. people I want to have in my life. The kind of people that I can have deep, meaningful conversations with that aren't just about Kim Kardashian or... You know what I, I mean? Like, let's talk. Let's really yes. talk. And that's why right? I think your podcast is so important because it's like you're you. really talking. Yeah. Really like talking about things that matter. Yeah. Right? And I just feel like that's how we connect and like telling our stories. It's, I, I say this all the time, but it is, it's truly how we gain compassion and learning for one another and realize like we're all walking each other home. We're in this together. Like it may not feel like that sometimes, but I want to live in a place where we can, you know, maybe learn about something you would have never learned about before, maybe even weren't even open to, but then you yeah. listen, you're like, oh. understand other people's experiences. And mm -hmm. after other people talked at that party, I understood their experiences. I really mm -hmm. did. I understood why it was important for them when they were given minimal chances that to go a certain way that they never had the chance to, but we were never... Mm -hmm ever discussing those kinds of small things I was more discussing people like Jeff Bezos or people that are multi you know what I mean yeah it's not just about like somebody who wants to pursue a passion because we all are I, I'm all about that I think it's mm -hmm. amount of wealth that certain people are, are accumulating on a larger level that I don't feel that deserve yes it. Right? I agree. So, I agree so hard because I'm right? like, again, like, yes, of course, I know we can't tell people how to spend their money. But if you have billions of dollars, yeah. what is that one? What even is that number? Well, why are you going and buying Twitter when you could maybe go help someone who might need running water or mm -hmm. might need to eat that night? Like, I just. Yeah, I read well, a meme and I don't know how accurate it is, but that if they split up Amazon, each each worker would get a livable wage of $96,000 a year if they, wow. yeah. So it's, to me, it's about giving people an opportunity. I don't think we all have to fight for scraps the way like we're presented. I think there is much opportunity for us to all have reasonable living conditions if we unstick some of the wealth that certain people have. It's right? true. It's so true. And it's, oh my God, it's such a, a vast topic. Like there's so many nooks and crannies yeah, that yeah, we can go 100%. into. 
100 yeah. percent. but i i guess my point is is that when we battle our neighbors over like it's not about battling our neighbors over what they have versus what i have because we're not even the people that are really taking the wealth like the wealth is on a different level i guess that's why in my book too it's a little bit frustrating because the characters discuss well how much control do we really have as individuals to make a difference and that i guess mm -hmm. comes from looking at political parties and etc cetera, etc cetera, of how you can make a difference but in the end it's kind of set up right now that it's difficult for people like you and me to make a huge difference on the wild like things like the wildfires yeah it's more like my con my book is more a conversation starter than an answer or solution guide you know what i mean i think that's a good thing topic it's yeah a topic. and like i love that you've decided to open that discussion up in such a magical way like i love when i can read about something that's not only it's important and it needs mm -hmm. to be discussed but i'm very i'm very entertained like i am oh, one with it. you know what that i mean like a goal yes oh yeah like i was sucked in so fast and like oh, i said so to you that oh i'm so yeah. happy to hear that it's true. And like the descriptive, like I said to you, that's like my bread and butter. If you can take me there, I'm like, I'm trans. Cause I like you too. When I was young, oh, there's my oh, dog. <laughs> He's like always makes an appearance. I made um, my kids leave. I didn't even trust them. You don't know what, <laughs> what you would see if we were here. It wouldn't be as. It would be entertainment for sure. <laughs> You'd have to edit but, it out. I guess we yeah. could have. <laughs> When I was little, though, I read all the time. And that's, I think, why my imagination is so big is from mm -hmm. reading because you are, yes, you could go with what the author says, but you created yeah. in your brain what you think that yeah. might be. That's why I, I list lately, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks when I run, um, be it just novelists or memoirs. And your mind, it's like you hallucinate when you run. Yeah. It's, like you it's so pleasing. It's such a pleasing feeling to go into somebody else's universe. Mm. and uh live there for a bit yes and, and that's back. how I felt like oh, especially the 1610 era I know I keep talking about that but no it, it I love yeah super it. magical it was so and I think too obviously because like it was learning for me because like I didn't know all that and like that queen she was a badass bitch I was like yes <laughs> girl I was like you go in that battle like what queen I've never heard of you gotta me. look it up too. Like I can yes. say, yeah, you gotta look her up. Like some of oh, these characters, yeah. they're stranger than fiction. Like they're just oh. when you look and them they're up, real. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And oh also I want to ask too, where Rubina is a dancer, did you pull that from like your dance experience? Yeah, so I was I thinking did, about uh, that. I did Bollywood and and Bhangra dancing for years. And um I I performed at weddings and I did shows with teens and um I definitely use that as an inspiration to write Ru Rubina's dance mm. parts and they were they were super fun oh yeah I was thinking right. about that because you spoke about how you did that kind of dance when we met and I was when I was reading yeah. I was like oh I wonder if like he's even the way you described the moves I was like yeah, I wonder if those right? are the moves that she did like <laughs> yeah I try to use my own personal experience to make the characters more relatable or real. Uh, sometimes though, I have to make make stuff up completely. So if Gia was a fashion designer, I, you know, I wasn't a fashion designer. So I had to go right. through and research a lot of her artistic background because I didn't, I didn't have that artistic background. But for Rubina, I was lucky because I, I, I drew on some of my own stuff. And same with 
Ruby when she finds swing dancing. A lot of it was when I fell in love with swing dancing too. It was this other world. And I, I discovered for me with swing dancing, it was very interesting because um, I feel even recently, like it's it's a very, it comes from black culture. And now when you go to swing dancing, it's it's very white. It's a very mm. white culture. And there's documentaries on this and you can find them on Netflix, but yeah for Ruby to be a person of color to go into this world it's interesting too because she's going into this world where it's a different culture there's a different vintage culture in it and so I tried to have a lot of um the the singers to represent that to represent the black culture too of where that dance originated from Mm -hmm. so there's I love that a deeper part of swing dancing but I was when I was initially drawn into, I, I remember being taken back, like, oh, wow, there's not a lot of people of color here, but I yeah. still love it. And I'm staying and I love yes. the style and I'm making it mine and that's okay. Like, I think I wanted to make it accessible to her, you know, and they welcome her and she's in and with and open it's, arms, it's like not a even a question too. I remember the first yeah. day that I went out, it was the same way. Um, people took me under their wing and I was dancing by the end of the night. Everyone's like, let me teach you. It's a very welcoming community and it's welcoming to people from all backgrounds. And my kids, even when I took my kids, people were welcoming to them. And I've taken lessons with my children. And that's why I thought the swing community um, should be represented in this novel because it's one of the most open-minded dance communities there is. I love that because it can be so intimidating for someone going into that new and like they're not sure and like you don't know like are they going to laugh at me are they going to help so I love that they were because in that book that's how that felt like nobody yeah and that's a true um, experience from the first very first night I went out that's a true depiction of how things went for me so I wanted to um, I wanted to have a place where she could feel for once welcomed Yes. Oh my God. And it wasn't like, I love that it wasn't even a second thought. It just was, okay, come on. Like, (laughs) yeah, dude, let's natural. Yeah. I love too when you were talking about like the world burning down. Like, I think it, I don't know if it was in the epilogue or on the back. I just remember those words in my mind. And it was making me think too, again, of the final scenes with Rubina's world it felt the same. Like it was like burning to the ground yeah. in a different way. Like 100%. I was feeling that. The, um, yeah. I wanted to have those crossovers with the battle scene. Oh yes. The actual, yeah. We can't go too deep into it, but I know. Yeah. I, know. The actual, <laughs> yeah, I So, okay. But we can talk about this. I know how to explain it on a more open <laughs> level. So no one can tell. Um, I tried to use environmental disasters to coincide. So rain, flood storm so the very first scene um with and you know this is funny because in 2017 when I started writing the book I was also worried about the factor of a storm um how real is it to have a storm in July let me tell you this summer there was a storm in July and it was there was thunder and I thought this is what's happening how unusual is it but this is really what's happening with our world it's the environment is becoming absolutely unstable so In the book, I use fire and water as pinnacle points to tie both the stories together and to also um, depict or portray disaster. So if something is going to happen, there's water, there's floods, there's catastrophes. And um, they both, they're parallel. They happen parallel. 
very parallel. Yeah. Like I, I picked up on that. I was like, okay. I was like, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. I wish we could talk once people can hear once they've actually read the book. Cause then I could go into it more deeply, the actual scenes where I have it, but I think that would be oh, really I know. I know. Much. I'm like, also, I was going to ask you, I mean, when is it coming out? Cause I was like, I <laughs> feel like oh, I keep wanting to say everything. <laughs> October, 2022. So yeah. Yay, so this year, I just yes. announced it today. I dropped it. Announcement yes. today, October yeah. 2022. Yes. Oh my gosh. So these people, you're getting a sneak peek on the goodness that is Ruby yeah. Red. Eyes. And I'm gonna have a book <laughs> launch. So um, please come. And oh uh, my gosh, yeah. Any of your audience that hears or watches this podcast, you're also welcome to come. Yay. Open invitation. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Yay. Oh my gosh. I feel like we talked about so Vancouver, much good yeah. stuff. Yes. Anyone on the <laughs> West Coast. Or if you're on the East Coast and you want to come visit, yes, (laughs) come on over. (laughs) Um, I feel like we talked about so many good things. Uh, Was there anything extra you wanted to add in or any like final words of wisdom or anything Um, like that? Well, we already touched on this, but, uh, and I know it's going to sound like, oh, don't give up and keep, keep doing what you do. But there were multiple times in my early career and even in my recent career where you, you, feel like a fraud or you feel like okay I'm not you know like you feel like your your writing or your craft or your artistry isn't authentic and every writer faces this where you look at this it's like imposter syndrome yes yeah so I would tell anyone out there for whatever passion you have to keep going and working through that because we all we all feel it no matter where we are in our career Mm-hmm. right you just you feel like you question your own abilities and for me I think the biggest thing has been to keep doing it and I and I don't write in for example some people some writers will say I write eight hours a day or I write two hours a day that isn't how I write some days I don't write at all and I go through maybe weeks where I don't I'm formulate. there's different stages of writing and processing. So yeah. you don't always have to actively be in the pursuit of writing to write. There could be times where you're developing plot, synopsis, other things, and you don't even know it just by living life. Sometimes you just yeah. have to live life and stop questioning your ability. I think a lot of it, because we get focused in on ourselves, we start questioning our ability, we get paralyzed. And so yeah. I say, put it all aside when that imposter syndrome hits you. Go for dinner with your family, reconnect with the people that ground you, run, do what you need Mm -hmm. to do and come back. And that might be an eight hour writing day. That might be a streak where you continuously do what you have to do. But sometimes you have to distance, you have to know when to distance yourself and when to come back. I love that. You have guilt also when you distance yourself. You're like, oh, I haven't written or I haven't done that. But then you'll write and, and a conversation will come up that you had two days ago that you didn't realize you were actually writing when you were writing. exactly oh yes I love that you said that because like it's allowing yourself to take that time without that guilt it's like no no like ground yourself you need that everyone needs that like especially if you're creative creators need that all the time (laughs) yeah and allow for yourself to have those moments where you question yourself um, but give yourself credit and, Mm -hmm. and and value yourself I like that you said that too, because I know personally, I don't really give myself credit or look at myself like that. And then like, 
like even my partner, he's like, zoom out. He's like, look at everything you've done. And I just, I forget, like, I don't think of myself that way. And I'm like, wait a yeah. minute. Okay. Okay. You know what, Kaylee? I think that's um, to your credit, because I think like the strongest people almost criticize themselves the most because they will have mm. the most improvement. So I, I know it's, it's kind of like a catch 22 in that sense. The exactly. most critical people are also the people that are very passionate. It's because you care so much. So you go it's in so and true. you criticize yourself and, but then you also better yourself, but you got to know when to, to stop. Cause exactly. We can't right. let the saboteur spend too yeah. long yeah. being like, Hey, <laughs> I'd be like, exactly. that's nice. I'm going to keep going. Cause yeah, that's another thing too. Like I will just obsess and I have to find that line and be like, okay, don't go too far down the rabbit hole. Like stay true to you. But I'll, like, you know what I mean? It's such like I, a, so a I feel end. like we're very similar. So yeah. I do. Well, <laughs> I can fully relate to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think we have very similar personalities. So yes. Oh yeah. Even some stuff you were saying, I felt like you were in my brain. Like you said right? a word and I was like, I was literally just thinking that it was so funny. <laughs> so if I run, then what do you do? Did you do yoga and meditation? I I feel like, again, I'm very like a multifaceted. Swimming. We'll say that you word. Yeah. Swimming. swimming and yoga for sure. Yoga gets me in like a very deep meditation. Like I feel like I'm on drugs when I'm done. It's crazy, but I feel like I don't even know what I'm thinking about during that time per se. Like, it's just, I'm so focused in, it's more like what's going on in inside, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like swimming would be a place where I could be, you know, the thoughts would just flow. I like to work out too, like, like, you know, high intensity workouts, but I'm not thinking about much when I do that. I'm more so just releasing Mm -hmm. and getting the endorphins, but yeah, there's lots of ways to get it. I find too, for me, just like sitting by the ocean and hearing that, that helps me too. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I need more of that. Come on over. We'll yeah, go to the beach. <laughs> totally. I think it's important. I think this is why your podcast is so important because I think we have so much to learn from other experiences, like you were saying. So when I, I hear agree. that from you, okay, I hear you. Yeah. There are things we so can all true. pick up from one another if we just listen. Mm, now I'm going to go absolutely. back and have to listen to all your podcasts. Oh my gosh. I know that the, yeah. the, the episodes a, that you come so in. there. Yeah, there's for I want variety always too. like, cause like, that's, that's it. Like, we all get to learn something new and different. And I know so many people are going to learn so much from our discussion here. And I'm really excited to connect. Oh, I guess I'll get to like, um, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way, like social um, website? Yeah, you can add me on Instagram. I have, mm-hmm. um, it's just my name. So to Berkovic, you can add me on Facebook. I have a writer's page on Facebook. That's my name as well to Berkovic. Okay, cool. Raiders page. Okay, perfect. And I'm going to have everything linked too. So yeah. on Instagram, we'll have her all linked on the YouTube description below. Everything will be there. And I recently started the Facebook page. I'm, I'm more active on Instagram than Facebook. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very happy I did start the Facebook page because oh, a lot okay. of people, they don't go on Instagram as much. So they've loved it over there. So we'll tag your Facebook page there too. So everything okay. will be linked. So nobody will have a problem to find you. And if you do, yes. message me and I will connect because I love connecting people too. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Yay. Oh, and also I want to ask for your other books. Where can people get them if they want? Oh, okay. Um, so um, my books are available with my publisher, Fernwood Publishing. Um, we can we can add a link to mm-hmm. there. And um, otherwise they're in all the local bookstores, chapters, Indigo, Black Bond, local Perfect. bookstores usually have them. And worst comes to worst, Amazon has it as well. 
Perfect. Okay, sweet. So you can get it online. You can go into the store. You can get it. And you said the libraries, is it just oh, in yes, Vancouver? Or? The libraries always have uh, copies. Like they should be getting them in soon when it comes out. Um, I mm. know Desirable Sister is available in all the libraries, um, even VPL. Um, and I'll also be doing some book signings in October at, Ooh. I believe it's Black Bond Books. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'll be doing some book signings coming up. In cool. October. And what I'll do too is when that com- time comes around, I'll share as well on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Um, and I wanted to say with the libraries, is it only in BC or is it across Canada? Yeah. It's usually available. I saw it even in New York and Los Angeles. Oh, I'm pretty sure so it's like cool. international libraries. Awesome. And, and you can even, if you make a request at a library, they'll usually order it in because it's, Oh, yeah they're doing like cool. worldwide marketing so it has world rights so if you ask your librarian they will usually pull it in cool oh my god amazing so we got all the websites we got libraries we've got yes, everything support so. your library there yay i, I love usually that. do lots of events at libraries too so when I was little, place. I loved going to the library. Like, right. I don't know. I, I can just remember having the best moments there. <laughs> you remember when you sat on the carpet and like a local author would come in and read a book? I remember that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I can remember too, we used to have like the scholastic book fairs. I used to oh, live gosh. for those in elementary school. <laughs> yes. I went for the Sweet Valley High, like everyone. I remember. Oh those. yeah. It was <laughs> better in the book, the book fair for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, it was just more magical for some reason. <laughs> yeah, because the um, portable bookcases that can rolled out and you were like, Whoa. yeah, this is cool. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. So you laid it on us and I loved it every minute. Okay. It was amazing. I really, Thanks. really appreciate you. Were great you. at interviewing. Oh, yay. I had so much fun. Like this was just like, this is fun for me because it it's just, we by. get to learn. Oh my God. I know. I feel like literally we could talk for five hours. I'm like, all right, we're going to have part two, part three, part four, <laughs> all the different parts. Uh, but yeah, thank you again so much for taking time. Cause I know busy mama. Yes. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on the show and thanks for doing what you do. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Cause this really is important to me and it just feels right. And I feel like it's in my alignment and it's just, it's good. And I just appreciate that a lot. Wonderful. Well, we guess we'll chat soon. We'll see each other soon. Yes. All right, everyone. That's our tea time for today. If you connected with Taslim, everything will be linked. And if you can't locate her, message me. The three books are amazing. Ruby Red Skies is the one coming out in October. That's the one we discussed most today. And the other two here, you can get on all the websites, all the libraries, everywhere. And yeah, so thank you so much for bringing your beautiful energy in, everyone. I really appreciate each and every listener, viewer, however you're tuning in. And I'm wishing you love and light as always, everybody. Bye.